If you would like to go deeper into the teaching of the weekend, what I have to say in the next several minutes, you can grab one of these study guides on the way out. It's five days of going deeper. And then our discipleship pastor has just released his new book. He authored this book. Um, It's like 135 days. It takes about 10 minutes each day. Uh, to do one. I've been using this to connect with God each morning. You may want to close your day. You may want to do it at lunch, but I would highly recommend uh, grabbing one of these books on your way out uh, today. I I do thank God for you. And if you're here with us for the first time, um, I I believe God has brought you. I believe that he's up to something in your life. He is such, such a good, good God. But for all of us online and in the room, let me start uh, by getting personal a bit. Uh, Let me ask you this question. Are you uh, presently and personally experiencing all that God has for you? Everything he has for you. I mean, are you just getting some crumbs off the edge of the table? Are you just getting the tip of the iceberg? Are you presently and personally experiencing all that God has for you, has for your life? Well, while you think about your gut-level honest answer to that question, I want to tell you this true story. I read it this week in the mammoth book of weird news. It's not fake news. It's real news, and it's real weird. Uh, The story goes like this. There was this guy. He's 30 years old. His name is Ricardo Inamorado. And he's in Chicago. He rents a jet ski and goes out on Lake Michigan. He goes out, but he does not come back. It's like Gilligan's Island with no island. So the Coast Guard is calling. They search all that day. Don't find the guy. Don't find the jet ski. Search all the next day. Don't find the guy. He is lost at sea, or at least at lake, uh, for two days. Finally, the Coast Guard finds him, and rescuers are surprised. His jet ski stalled out, engine stalled out. He's about 500 yards from shore, but that's not what surprises them. He's sunburned, severely sunburned. That's not what surprises them. What shocks them is that he is severely dehydrated. As soon as they can, they get him an IV to get fluids in his system. What blows them away is that this guy has been bobbing up and down on a jet ski in one of the largest bodies of fresh water in the world. His major organs are in danger of failing. He has gone days without a drink of water even though he's surrounded by water. That's some weird news. But Ricardo is much like a lot of Christians today who are surrounded by the possibility of the goodness of God, but have not surrendered to the God of the goodness to slake their thirst and to quench who they are. Let me ask you this. Do you ever feel powerless in this life to to deal with the challenges at work or in your relationships, in your health? Do you you ever feel um, empty, afraid? Do you ever feel insecure and anxious? (laughs) Do you 
Do you ever long for someone or something, anything that will give your life meaning, fulfillment, and purpose? I feel like Ricardo right now. <clears throat> if one of my staff could get me a, some water, I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Um, I want to I share with you how Jesus spoke into this very situation um, that we're surrounded by his goodness, unbelievable joy, unbelievable peace, unbelievable love, unbelievable hope, and yet we're running on empty empty of love, empty of hope, empty of peace, empty of joy. Here's what Jesus said. Thanks, Kaya. I love you. Appreciate it. Okay, this is kind of a rare deal with Jesus, what he says and how he says it. Check it out. In the Bible, read that Jesus shouted to the crowds. This was kind of rare because often Jesus teaches in sort of hushed tones so that everyone's got to lean in to catch what he has to say. Now he did shout in the face of a, a horrific storm and silenced it with a word. And he did shout. And with the shout, demons were sent fleeing back into the pit of hell. And he did shout for Lazarus, who had been buried and dead for four days. And Lazarus is raised by that shout. But this time, Jesus shouts not at one guy, not at a, a catastrophic storm. Jesus shouts at a crowd, a crowd like this one. He wants everyone's undivided attention. Jesus shouted to the crowds, hey, if anyone, anyone, not anyone is you, anyone is me. We don't have to be so good, so holy, so rich, so smart, so famous, so anything. We are anyone. So we get in on this action. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Scriptures declare that rivers of living water, rivers of life, rivers of joy, rivers of peace, rivers of hope, rivers of love will flow from the inmost being of anyone who believes in me. He, Jesus, was speaking about the Holy Spirit, the word there. You probably know that the Bible, the New Testament part of it was not written in English, it was written in Greek. And the Greek word Jesus uses there, anyone who believes in me, pistauo, and I, I think the best translation in English would be the word surrender. Anyone who surrenders to me. I mean, in English, belief is like just intellectual agreement. Like, I believe that George Washington was the first president of the United States. But this is talking about absolute surrender. Anyone who comes to me, drinks what I got to give, the Holy Spirit surrenders to me, man, out of that person, out of that man, out of that woman, out of that child is going to flow rivers of life, rivers of joy, rivers of hope, rivers of peace, rivers of love. But it's easy for us as we go through the struggles and the rigorous challenges of life that we're surrounded by the goodness of God on every side. And yet we have not surrendered to the God of all that goodness. Surrounded but not surrender. So let me take us back to my first question. Are you, this is just between you and God, but are you right now personally, presently, presently and personally experiencing all that God has for you? 
all the love, all the peace, all the joy, all the power, all the hope. Here's today's truth. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you go from ordinary to extraordinary. Extra joy, extra peace, extra hope, extra power. You go from the natural. Um, everyone has you know, like natural strength or natural ability, but when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you go to the supernatural. Now it's God's strength. It's God's healing. It's God's help. It's God's wisdom. Now, for those of you, I, I know this talk is a bit of a stretch if you are yet to believe in Jesus. And maybe you're here just to kick the tires and figure out if Jesus is really who he claims to be, that Jesus is God. I just want you to know, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I know it's kind of weird to meet a guy like me when I'm going around and greeting all of our people and shaking hands and giving hugs. And if I met you, I know sometimes people think I'm a drunk going through the <laughs> crowd or challenged in some way. But here's what I want. Maybe this is for everybody in the room. God loves you. I mean, loves you with this wild, ferocious love. And out of this unimaginable love, he has sent his own son, Jesus. Jesus came to our planet. Jesus is God who came to earth through human birth so that he was fully God and fully human all at the same time. But he came with a purpose. He came to live a perfect, sinless life. Now, we've already blown that one. We're really good at sin. Doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, thinking dark thoughts. So here's the deal. The reason that Jesus beat every temptation, every time that we have failed, he succeeded. The reason he did, he knew that when he died on the cross for our sins, he could take upon himself all our ugly, evil imperfections and impute to us all the glory and beauty of his perfection. That's how God sees you when you believe that Jesus is God, fully God, fully man, who died on the cross. You see, on the cross, he was taking my place getting the punishment I deserve for my sin. On the cross, he was their substitute. He stepped in and allowed the nails to go through his wrist and through his ankles. Horrific loss of blood, face beaten beyond recognition, beard pulled out by the roots. All the suffering was as your substitute. He was taking the punishment you deserve for your sin. And when he died, fully physically dead, they laid him in a stone-sealed tomb. Then three days later to absolutely validate everything that is, I've not even told all of it to you. Everything wrong about you goes on Jesus and everything right about Jesus goes on you. Anything bad about you goes on Jesus and everything good about Jesus is imputed to you. God raised Jesus from the dead to absolutely authenticate and validate that what I've just said is true. All your sins, when you believe, if you believe that Jesus is God who died for your sins in your place and God raised him from the dead, if you believe that, Jesus says, there's an action you gotta take right now. You believe that? You believe that and here's the action you gotta take on the basis of your belief and surrender. 
You got to be baptized. Here's what scripture says. Peter challenges people. He says, change your life, turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? So your sins are forgiven. Paul would say, they're washed away. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, last weekend, I don't know, we had six or eight people that were baptized. And when they were baptized, not, not only were all their sins washed away, they got a clean a slate, a fresh start. They were made a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But they were also given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now you can go to church. You can say your prayers. You can, you can open up the Bible and, and read and not be, you can have the gift of the Holy Spirit and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something. It's not only that God dreams of you experiencing his love in the saving presence of his son Jesus, but he dreams that you allow yourself to be filled with his spirit, filled to the full with the fullness of God. In fact, the apostle Paul, when he got a chance to write about it, here's what he wrote. He said, do not be unwise. In other words, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool with your life. Understand, you can get this. You can get this. Understand what the will of the Lord is. It is God's will for you to be completely filled with the Spirit of God. He, he goes on to write, don't be drunk with wine, for that is reckless living. Instead, be filled, controlled with the Spirit. Now, if a person is driving drunk and a police officer pulls him over, he is likely to be cited with driving under the influence, yeah, because when you are drunk, uh, you're under the influence of the drink. It affects your speech. It affects, it influences how you think. You think things you would never think if you were sober. It affects how you feel. It affects your behavior. And the same is true when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. God affects your speech. God influences your behavior. God is in your thoughts. God affects your emotions. Now, the, the Greek word that Paul chooses to use for filled, for be filled, is, and I know I'm like a Bible nerd, so you just gotta put up with me, but the Greek word is plerao. And look at this, it means to generously supply. And so when he says be filled, he said, Re remember that weakness you feel? Remember that hurt uh, you have? Remember that anxiety, that fear? Uh, remember that sense of emptiness? Generously supply it all to God. Give God all the fear. Give God all the insecurity. Give God all the anxiety. Give God, the Bible's a cast all your cares on God, for he cares for you. So you just give it all away. It's really surrendering yourself. You see, check this out. Get this tattooed this week on your left thigh. When you are filled with the Spirit, it's not that you get more of the Spirit, it's that the Holy Spirit gets more of you. Because it's me that's standing in the way of him filling me, filling my thoughts, filling my emotions, affecting my behavior. And so I give him my fear. I give him my worry. I give him my anxiety. I give him my insecurity. I give him my weakness. I give him my need. And so here's the deal with me. You already figured out that I'm weird and this is just gonna 
clarify that, but every day I start my day by saying, Holy Spirit, please join me. Holy Spirit, please fill me. Holy Spirit, please use me. Holy Spirit, please fill me. But to tell you the truth, when I say that, I don't necessarily feel anything at all. I know it's true. I know it's God's will for me. I know it's God's dream for, for me. I know it's God's promise that when I ask, he gives. I mean, there are times in my life when I do feel it. I'm feeling it right now. Because you know, if you want the news, you can watch TV. If you want to find about the Packers, you can go on ESPN. Don't trust me to talk about them. If you want insights, you can do your podcast. You don't come here for the news. You don't come here for politics. You come here to hear the word of God through an ordinary guy that's filled with the Holy Spirit. I feel it right now. But I don't feel it every day. When I pray, Holy Spirit, join me in this moment. Holy Spirit, fill me. I don't necessarily feel anything. It's not about the feeling of the Holy. It's about the filling of the Holy. So how do you know, Clark? How do you know that you are filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't feel something, got a quiver in your liver? Paul says, here's the deal. It is the Lord's will for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be influenced by other stuff. Be affected by God. Be filled with the Spirit. Just empty yourself. Surrender everything to the Lord. How do you know that's real? Paul goes on to say this. He says, here's the evidence. Two, two things. You praise God passionately. You sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what we've just been doing. And you give thanks always for all things. You thank God. You know that you're filled with the Spirit. When you, when you come to church at 1030, it is not business as usual. You can't stand in a worship service at home watching on your computer and just go through the motions. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it comes out in praise and it comes out in gratitude. You just thank God and you thank God and you thank God and you thank God. You thank Him for what He's done. You thank Him for what He's doing. You thank Him for what He's yet to do. You thank Him for His goodness. You thank Him for the peace. You thank him for the peace that he's going to bring. You thank him for the victory that he's going to win. You thank him for the love. You thank him for the joy. You thank him for the hope. You just thank God in all things. So you know what I found? Those two behaviors are not just pieces of evidence. My passionate praise to God and my passionate thanks to God, they are fuel. Because if I feel like I'm running on empty, if I think that my love tank is empty or my joy tank is empty or my hope tank is empty or my peace tank is empty, I fuel the fire without me, well, excuse me, within me by praising God and thanking God. When you do those behaviors, it just impassions you to be filled with the Spirit of God. Here, check this out. This, get this on your right thigh. And you're gonna need big thighs for these. Here we go. Your passion for praising God and thanking God is the proof that you are filled with the Spirit of God. Again, I don't praise God to get a feeling. I don't thank God to get a feeling. I thank him for what he's done and what he's doing. I praise him for what he's achieved in my behalf through his son on the cross and his victory over the grave. You see, I'm not talking about a feeling of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the fact, the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for you. It's 
fact, I'm gonna lead you through a process to experience that today. I mean, maybe you didn't see this coming. Maybe that's not why you showed up today. But I'm gonna give you the opportunity today to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled to the full with the fullness of God. It's just a simple process. Step one in the process is to bow your knee and surrender to Jesus. Nothing goes anywhere in a person's spiritual life until that person is fully surrendered to Jesus. Hey, let's go back to that invitation Jesus made. At the beginning, we saw it at the beginning of our service. Check it out. Jesus shouted through the crowds, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. He's the source. Come to me. Bow the knee. Surrender. Let him come to me and drink. For the scriptures declare the, waters of li- the, the rivers of living water will flow from the inmost being of anyone who believes. Remember, pistao, who surrenders to me. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. That when you bow the knee and surrender to Jesus, you open yourself up to be filled with the, with, with the fullness of God. So I'm gonna do something I've never done um, in the middle of a message before. I'm, I'm gonna lead you through a prayer of surrendering your life to Jesus uh, right now. Maybe for there are those in the room who, who have never prayed this prayer, never surrendered to Jesus ever. And maybe there's people in the room that have been in church all their lives, but this is important for you because being surrendering to Jesus is not a one and done. It's a lifestyle. So this is so huge and so important. I'm gonna ask everyone in the room to stand with me now. And you're glad because your butt was going to sleep. I hope my mom's not watching this. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to pray the prayer. You pray it after me. But I, I talk, I only have an outdoor voice. Um, but I want you, you can just whisper it. It's not about anybody close to you, it's just about you. And so you just whisper this out loud. I want you to hear it with the sound of your own voice. But let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Um, because bowed heads, that's a sign of our humility. Closed eyes, we can look into our own hearts and pray after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe, Jesus, you are God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need to be cleansed. I know I need free of my guilt and shame. Thank you that you forgive all my sins. Thank you that you cleanse me of all my guilt and shame. On the basis of my belief, I surrender to you, Jesus. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I am yours. I bow the knee. I surrender everything to you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. I want to tell you something. Something is starting to happen in your life. Something is taking place in this room. Something is taking place via Wi-Fi, through your device, into your heart. 
Because Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, has been confessed as Savior and Lord. That's the first step. Nothing goes anywhere until we take that step. Here's step number two. Not only do you bow your knee, you turn your back on your sin in repentance. Now, I know that repentance is not a word we throw around a lot. So here's how God described it in the Old Testament part of the Bible. God says, hey, if my people respond to me by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked ways, then I'll listen from heaven to their prayers. Then I'll forgive all their sins. Then I'll heal these people. You see, I got stuff in my life, and you got stuff in your life. I got dark stuff. You got dark stuff. We got stuff that prohibits the Spirit from filling us. So we turn our backs, we jettison that junk out of our lives. We turn our backs on, on what has addicted us. We turn our backs on what has damaged us and done damage to our relationships. We turn our backs on our sins and we move toward God. That was the Old Testament part of the Bible. Here's the New Testament part of the Bible. Repent, that means to turn your back on your sin, turn toward God, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. Paul says you get them all washed away. He goes on to say, this is Peter, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One, you bow your knee to Jesus. Two, you turn your back on your sin. Now you are an open conduit. Here's number three. You step forward in obedience to God. Now you think about obedience to God and you think about this Bible and all the stuff and, and it's overwhelming. How do I do all that? Well, you, you just do three behaviors. Each of these spiritual behaviors are catalytic. Catalytic means that they impact all the other areas of your life. There is, a, when you do these behaviors, there's a surge of energy to your good and all the, you get these three down and everything else takes care of itself. Number one is worshiping the God, worshiping God every weekend, online or in this space. Every weekend, the average church going in America goes once a month. That is not going to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. The pattern of Jesus, the habit of Jesus was every weekend of wor in worship. The command of God is that we worship him with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our strengths, all of our soul, everything, all the time. So you say, today I'm drawing a line in the sand. Every weekend, no matter what, I'm going to be in worship. Number two, in addition to faithful worship, is faithful giving out of your finances. This is the command of God as well. This is his dream for your life, that out of every pay period, you will bring him a financial gift for the sake of his kingdom, for the benefit of his church, to help hurting children, to feed hungry people, and to reach people who are far from God. Giving is a catalytic spiritual behavior that takes your life to a whole new level. And the third behavior is serving. Serving the Lord with your life, your energy, your abilities. People who do that here, we call them difference makers because they are making a difference for children. They are making a difference for the homeless. They are making a difference for the hungry in our community. They're, they greet you as you come in. They serve in kids' works. They serve our students on Wednesday nights. 
They are making a difference with their lives. But with that behavior, in addition to worshiping faithfully and giving faithfully and serving faithfully, they put their life on a whole new trajectory and everything else takes care of itself. Here's what the word of God says. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to those who obey him. Step one, bow the knee to Jesus. Step two, turn your back on your sin. Step three, step forward in obedience, worship, giving, and service. And step four, you gotta do the big ask. You gotta ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Here's how Jesus said it. Jesus said, if perfect, I'm sorry. I started to read about me as a grandparent. Here we go. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more, oh, I, I know I'm running out of time, but I gotta say this, you got a much more God. You have come into a room where we believe in a much more God. You have joined a worship and are hearing the word about a much more God, much more peace, much more joy, much more hope, much more love. We get a much more God. How much more will the perfect heavenly father give his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask? We gotta do the big ask. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.